morning. Today is January 14th, 2024. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 91, When Your Man is Better, to and including paragraph 92, If You Are Satisfied. Rita Q will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Roby. Uh, reader, Rita, will you please read? Yes, thank you so much, Tasha. My name is Rita Q, Recovered Not Cured, Possible Reader. When your man is better, the doctor might suggest a visit from you. Though you have talked with the family, leave them out of the first discussion. Under these conditions, your prospect will see he is under no pressure. He will feel he can deal with, with you without being nagged by his family. Call on him while he is still jittery. He may be more receptive when depressed. See your man alone if possible. At first, engage in general conversation. After a while, turn the talk to some phase of drinking. Tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms and experience to encourage him to speak of himself. If he wishes to talk, let him do so. You will thus get a better idea of how you ought to proceed. If he is not communicative, give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit. But say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. If he is in a serious mood, dwell on the troubles liquor has caused you, being careful not to moralize or lecture. If his mood is light, tell him humorous stories of your escapades. Get him to tell some of his. When he tells you, Know all about the drinking game. Commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic. Tell him how baffled you were, how you finally learned that you were sick. Give him an account of the struggles you made to stop. Show him the mental twists which leads to the first drink of a spree. We suggest you do this as we have done it in the chapter on alcoholism. If he is alcoholic, he will understand you at once. He will match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own. If you are satisfied that he is a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower path. Thank you, Rita. And now we will have a 20 minute share from Roby who will shed light on these pages. Roby, we look forward to hearing your share. Go Thank ahead. Thank you so much, Tasha. Thank you. I'm so glad I made it. Um, my name is Roby. I'm a food addict and an alcoholic. And um, I just, I'm like, look at 163 people on this meeting. This is like crazy. Um, I'll just say my mantra. I weigh and measure three meals a day. I follow up the gray sheet. Um, I do that without exception. I commit my food to my sponsor, somebody else qualified. Abstinence, sobriety, and God are interchangeably the most important things in my life today without exception. And I live in a state of humanity and gratitude. Um, that's so immense. My recovery date is the 1st of January, 1986. I have been here for just a little over 38 years, abstinent and sober, and that's crazy. Um, it's crazy. And I am definitely aging backwards, and that definitely matters, <laughs> at least to me. And um, thank you so much, Kim. And this is Cookies.
who's sorry to mention food names. That's just my CAT's name. Um, uh, CNC, and he's he's all over me because I volunteer at an animal for baby rescue, and I was there this morning, and now he's all jealous. So, um, you know, over over the years, the thing that has um, looks like I froze, but hopefully you could still hear me. The thing that has I think been the bottom line for me in in keeping me not only abstinent and sober, but also involved and engaged is that I, I continue to be really excited. And the reason why I was talking about this with my um my AA sponsor, I have two sponsors. I have an AA sponsor, I have a gray sheet sponsor. And I was talking about this with my AA sponsor a couple of weeks ago. And he said, it's because I sponsor people. And um, my, my experience with um, Overeaters Anonymous and subsequent food food addicts is that we can we sponsor a lot earlier. I have been sponsoring people since I had 90 days. And I want to say, I think that that is the most amazing, amazing, amazing thing. The beginning of this chapter, it says that practical experience shows us that nothing will ensure um, permanent immunity from alcohol, like intense work with someone else, you know, and then, you know, and then we have these, these, uh, these paragraphs, you know, written, written when it was different. I've done a lot of study about the, and I'm just, I'm sorry, Tasha, are you going to give me like a two minute warning? To, okay, perfect. Cause I'm looking right at you. So I okay. Excellent. Cause I could talk till the cows come home. So you need to let me know. All right, wrap it up girl. Um, so, you know, when your man is better, there's, there's a line on page 64 and it says we get, you know, um, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we get better mentally and physically. And I always found that really interesting because my experience has been that I actually got better physically first, and then I got better mentally. And then I had some sort of interest in getting better spiritually. But when I really dove into the spiritual recovery, the spiritual part, when I really started working the steps exactly as they're laid out in the big book, um, using the Hyannis big book step study method, I actually did get better mentally and then physically. And it's, it's really interesting to see how that came true. But you know, when your man is better, for me, that means physically, because even if you do nothing, if you abstain from your drug, However, I don't, I don't know how people define their food drugs. And I, I'm only sharing my experience. I'm open to everything. I, you know, I'm, I'm open and, and loving and supportive of, of everyone's journey. For me, my drugs were sugar and, and starch, you know, and I don't, I don't use them at all the same way. I don't drink at all or snort cocaine or smoke cigarettes. <laughs> it's all the same thing to me. I don't eat my alcohol, but when I abstain from that, even without doing intensive work yet, I did start to get better. The, you know, I, I got absent and sober in the eighties, right? The word of the day was mocus, right? I stopped being so mocus. And, um, you know, I, I personally didn't have doctors involved, but, um, you know, the doctor might suggest a visit from you, though you have talked with the family, leave them out of the first discussion. And, so I really, I, I use the big book as my guide. 
I mean, I have, I have sponsors, I have friends, I have people, I have, you know, soul sisters and, you know, road dogs. I have all that, but I have, I have this guide, you know, leave the family out of it. I have been sponsoring people for a long time and I've talked to people's family, but once, but I, I really try not to, it's really, first of all, it's not on my business and it's not my job. And second, you know, it might hurt their, their recovery. My job is, or my responsibility is to help another human being find the answers within themselves so that they could get better so that God can enter in and God can help the whole situation. And I also, I just want to like put a little parentheses in there. I use the word God really loosely. It's three letters. It's one syllable. It's easy to say. I know exactly what it means to me today. It took me a long time. It took me decades in recovery to really get into a comfortable groove with my God and my, my faith, my faith practice, which I have one today, which is important to me. I grew up as an Orthodox Jew. I live as a spiritual Jew today, which is different than how I grew up, which really works for me, even though there's still things I do and um, leave the family out of it. Why? Why? Under these conditions, your prospect will see he is under no pressure, right? Like there's a line in, the, in Alcoholics Anonymous number three, where they're talking, they're talking to him. Bill and Bob are talking to, his name is also Bill. They're talking to, to Bill D and he says, and I, I just want to find it. Um, we're not here to try and take your rights or privileges away, but we have a program where, whereby we think you can stay sober. Part of that program is we take it to someone else who needs it and wants it. Now, if you don't want it, we'll not take up your time and we'll be going and looking for someone else. That's on page 186, right? Hold on, do not eat my computer. Um, so, so <laughs> very needy for babies, you know? Like, no pressure. You don't want this, no problem. Somebody else does. I sponsor um, a lot of people and they call me, like it's one woman just called me recently about someone she was sponsoring. And I was like, she doesn't want it. Stop calling her. Stop calling her. My experience, I have a, a friend in my life, a friend, a, a woman who I've been sponsoring on and off for 12 years, can't stop drinking. It's terrible. It's terrible. She's going to die. She's 42 years old. And her boyfriend keeps calling me and I keep saying, you got to stop saving her. People don't get better until there's no one left to save them. This thing about hitting bottom is really important and no pressure, right? And then he will feel he can deal with you without being nagged by his family. Okay, I take issues with the word nagged as a quadruple winner and also a member of Al-Anon, but whatever. Okay, we'll leave it there. Bill wrote it, not Lois. Okay, but let's just say, take away the pressure. Call on him while he is still jittery. He may be more receptive when depressed. And isn't that true, right? You know? The gift of desperation, I can share with you, I had the gift of desperation twice. And what's really important here, and I think you know, I jump back to cross-reference, but on page 25, and there is a solution. It says, therefore, when we were approached by someone in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us to do, but pick up the spiritual kid of tools that have been laid at our feet, which means that I'm not sitting there in a meeting waiting for somebody to come up to me and go, Roby, you have what I want. Will you help me? Like, I probably don't have anything that anybody wants, but I have a lot of what people might need, you know, which is knowledge of how to work the steps and how to get to their own relationship with God for their own life, because their life is not mine, you know? And 
when people come in and they're really having a hard time, whether it's on Zoom or in person, I really, I personally, and I, I stress this with my sponsees, like I stress with my sponsees when I'm having a hard day, they call me out. I go call two people, ask them how they are, shut up and listen and call me later. Now, obviously, if they're really freaking out and they need to talk, I don't do that. But I do that a lot because that's what my sponsor did with me 38 years ago and it worked. It worked. Calling up someone else and asking them how they are. Going up to someone at a meeting and saying, can I have your number? And calling them instead and, and talking to them because first of all, it's really hard to make the phone call when you're desperate. Who knows why? But when someone calls you, sometimes it can click. See your man alone if possible. At first, engage in general conversation. After a while, turn the talk to some phase of drinking, eating, whatever. There is something that I, I can talk to people. People, I, I recently share like a little thing. I, I'm 59 years old. I'm going to be 60 in four months, five months in May, which is freaking me out. But I look really good, so I can say it. And so, right? It's true. You would not look at this woman and say, oh, she's going to be 60. But- I had a very bad menopause. I had a very bad menopause, abstinent and sober. I gained a lot of weight, weighing and measuring my food, abstinent. It was terrible. I wanted to like, I was losing it. I wanted to, I, it was really bad. And and the pandemic and my father died and blah, blah, all, all sorts of stuff. And now thank God, I've, I've lost almost all of it. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful. People outside, right? They, they see it so differently. Like people that work, even people at the gym when I go work out with my trainer and, and they see it so different. And, they, and people here, it's different. I have that whole no matter what, even whatever I was doing and I had to make changes. I had to make major changes. I was like a vegetarian. I'm not. I had to like cut out foods that I can no longer eat. And it was really, really hard, but I was really desperate. So I was willing to do anything. But I could talk about that. I talk to so many women now in menopause in the program because it's hard. It's hard. I don't know about you, but I didn't have a really good roadmap or a really good model. My mom is amazing. My mother has 24 and a half years of gray sheet abstinence and sobriety by the grace of God. And because she asked me for help in 1999. But when I was growing up, she didn't, she, she didn't have the tools to help me. And she didn't go through menopause because she had a hysterectomy. And so like, I had no, like I hit this, I hit this thing that I have never hit in my life, but now I can talk about it with other people in the rooms because it's really different. It's really, really different than not being here with a program of recovery and a plan and, you know, everything that we have. Sorry, I got, I got all. But anyway, so some phase of drinking, tell them about your drinking habits, your symptoms, your experiences. I mean, the things I could tell people, people get it, you know? I mean, I I ate in front of the refrigerator standing up and it didn't count because I was standing in front of the refrigerator, right? It didn't count. Um, you know, I, I was a bulimic, you know, I was an exercise bulimic. I was a, a vomiting bulimic. Um where else can I go where I can say to somebody, I was laying on the floor. I was 19 years old. It was New Year's Eve. I was drunk. as I was laying on the floor in the bathroom at some party with my college friends. My jeans were so tight because I had binged so much laying on the floor, trying to zip them up saying, God, please just get me out of this. I'll never do this again. You know, I don't know many people who get it except for people who have this malady. 
Um, ooh, sorry. Uh, if he wishes to talk, let him do so. Hearing people's footsteps really gave me the art of listening. Really gave me the art of listening. And I also understand that um, there are places where I'll be like, okay, let's talk about the solution now. Because there's just so much that I'm, I'm willing to hear about the problem if you don't want to do something about it. If you want to do something about it, that's fine. Then let's talk about the solution. Um, but I can't, I can't only talk about the problem because that that's not helpful. That's not helpful to them and that's not helpful to me. And if I don't have the air on myself, I can't help you. You know, because he was like telling you those stories. When he sees you know all about the drinking game, the eating game, the binging game, the virgin game, commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic food addict. Tell him how baffled you were, how you finally learned that you were sick. You know, there's new things now. There's new things that go on now in the world that didn't happen when I was like coming around. There's intermittent fasting. There's this, there's that. There's There are so many things. There are so many things for food. It's insane. There's keto. There's, I, I mean, I don't know. I really try and like stay out of it. I have a plan. I have a program. I don't eat foods that are off my food plan. And yet I made tremendous changes after 30, you know, 36 years. Tremendous. Um, and I, I didn't even think that was possible with people who were telling me to eat foods that weren't on the plan. And I knew that that was the one thing I couldn't let go of. And um, I'm grateful for that. Give them an account of the struggles you made to stop. It doesn't always happen overnight. You know, sometimes my mom was struck abstinent. I was not struck abstinent or sober. I really struggled. It took me a while. You know, I was coming around for a minute before it clicked. And then what book are we in? We're in the big book on pages 91 and 92. Um, it came, it, it took me a while before it really clicked. And then I did it for a while before it really clicked. I had a lot of physical recovery for a while before it really clicked. I was around for seven years, six and a half years before I went and I knew the literature inside and out. And I went to a big book step study meeting and I started going to Hyannis big book step study meetings where I wasn't allowed to talk because that after almost seven years, I wanted to kill myself. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to drink. I just wanted to die. And when I came into these rooms in 1985 and got absent and sober in 1986, I wanted to die. I didn't know how to live and I wanted to die. Difference today is I learn how to live every day more and I don't want to die. In fact, I need another 60 years because I have so much to do. So much to do. God has put so much in my heart. I have so much to do. I have more animals to rescue. I, I work 50 hours a week. I decided in August on a whim to, I have a couple of master's degrees. I'm in a master's PhD program. I don't know what the hell I was thinking at 65, I'll be a doctor. I really don't know who I am most of the time. Like this is part of the recovery. Like anything is possible. You know, for most of my fifties, I was like, I'm too old and it's too late. And now I'm like, oh, wait, wait, what else can I do? It's crazy. I just got my low blue belt in kickboxing. My mother looks at me and goes, who are you? I'm like, I don't know, you know? I don't know if you are satisfied that is your real alcoholic. You know, there's something really interesting. I was in England um, and we're going back, gosh, probably to 2015. Okay, how much? Five minutes, two minutes, two minutes. Got it. I was in England and um, these guys were like qualifying. I, was, I spoke at some sort of AA conference and 
these guys were like qualifying these people to find out if they were real alcoholics. There's those questions, 10 questions, 20 questions, you can answer it. If somebody is, I think at this point, if you're not a real alcoholic or addict or food addict, you're not going to stay. You're not going to stay. The program of action, though entire, though, though simple, was pretty drastic. It meant I would have to throw away, this is on the end of more about alcoholism, several lifelong con conceptions. But this was not as hard as it sounded. You know, it says, I'm just, I'm actually going to say this and end with this and then because it's it kind of goes with this. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. That was not easy. But the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic, my addict condition was relieved as in fact, it proves to be, you know? And we never tell that anyone they're an alcoholic. We'd let them draw their own conclusion. But my experience is that 99% of people who wander into a room of Overeaters Anonymous, Gracie, Alcoholics Anonymous, whatever anonymous, usually you have a problem because you don't just end up there by accident. And the beautiful thing is when you do end up here, we're here. We're here. If there's anyone new, if this is your first meeting, if this is your first week, if you're just coming out of some sort of a binge or whatever, we're here, we get it, we've been there and we have a solution. We have a solution. When I first came around I, and I went to regular OA meetings as well as Gray Sheet, and they said at the end of every meeting, I think they say this in Al-Anon too, I put my hands in yours and together we could do what we could never do alone. And that to me is what this is. I am saying to somebody, here's my hand, put your hands in mine and we can do it together. Thank you so much for letting me share. I'm in New Jersey. My phone number is the California one in the chat. Call or text me anytime. God bless you and have a great day.